0: This episode is brought to you by the 1-4 Group Incorporated, a leading supplier of innovative dormancy and sprout-inhibiting products for the potato storage industry. They believe that sustainability is intrinsically linked with the concept of stewardship. 1-4 Group practices sustainability by helping farmers minimize product loss using their family of biocontrol products. Learn more at one groupcom Welcome to the Potato Field Podcast. I'm Zeke Jennings, editor of Spudman Magazine and host of the show. Joining me today from his family's seed potato farm in northern Wisconsin is Eric Schroeder of Schroeder Brothers Farm. Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks for the time. Thanks for having me, Zeke. Uh, first of all, how's the season going? We are taping here on July 16th, so we're kind of past the halfway point, I would think.
1: Uh, yeah, something about the halfway point. It's been going pretty good so far, planting. Planting was one of the smoother, easier planting seasons that we had as far as weather is concerned. Um, so that went well, we had pretty good conditions for that whole time period in May. And um, it's been been all right since then. We've had a couple of timely rains. We haven't had to do a ton of irrigation um, in our main growing area here. Some of our outlying farms we've been irrigating with sandier soils, but for the most part, it's been pretty good weather here.
0: Yeah, it was a, it was a dry spring. You know, I'm across the lake from you in uh, in Michigan. It was a dry spring, and then, you know, it's picked up about the last month with some rain. So really, it sounds like it's been pretty good for potato growing, at least in this part of the country.
1: Yeah, we've kind of been getting a, a half inch to an inch every week. So that right now, Mother Nature is taking care of us, I mean as long as we can avoid the the hail and some of the heavier downpours that we had last season, uh, we'll be happy. Long ways to go though. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. Knock on wood. So, uh, your family has been farming in the area since 1879, but the modern version of the operation kind of formed in the 1980s. Could you break down which family members are managing the farm and involved and kind of tell us who does what?
1: I could try. Um, (laughs) so now it's, um, My dad and two uncles, John T. and Rob. And my mom is also on the farm. Um, And then it's myself, my brother Andy, and then I've got two cousins, J.D. and Luke, who are all on the farm. Um, As far as what we all do, I guess, John T. serves as the president. My dad is the vice president. Rob is the secretary, if you're getting real specific into things. And then from there, we kind of all just... uh, do a little bit of everything, I guess we're, we're still all out in the tractors or at that storage during harvest and, and planting seasons. So we're, we're out in the field, getting things done. Um, then we split up irrigation amongst the farms and we've got two different shipping facilities. So Rob and Andy and Luke are kind of out at the north end. And then myself and JD and my dad and T are all on, on the south end of the farm. So things kind of get split up in half a little bit yeah.
0: Now you guys grow uh, a lot of uh, some some of the Frito-Lay varieties you've, you've actually won quite a few awards from them um, but also you grow some non Frito-Lay chip varieties as well as some Reds and Russets. Uh, how does the percentage break down uh, as far as chipping potatoes and Russets and Reds?
1: Um, it varies a little bit year to year depending on what our customers are asking for, obviously, but, uh, for the most part, we're kind of around 18% russets, uh, 10% reds in the last, uh, I think this is our fourth year we've been growing potatoes for uh, seed potatoes for a little potato company. So that's kind of 10% of our crop now. Um, open chip varieties around 20, 20 to 22. Uh, and then Frito-Lay makes up the rest of that. Um, from that, then we, we do wash a certain amount of red potatoes for table stock, and then we'll take all the oversized russets and try to wash those as well.
0: Okay. Now, are you you selling it all to uh, to fresh growers? You do a little bit of the gambit as far as your customers, because you guys are doing totally seed potatoes, correct?
1: Everything, everything is certified as seed potatoes, okay. but then, depending on the year and the markets and how and everything yielded, we do wash... Anywhere from 70 to 100,000 bags of reds for, the, for table stock. And then uh, whatever amount of oversize we get off of our russet crop, we'll, we'll wash those.
0: Now, it's been well documented, you know, with the, the food service shift from COVID. Uh, you know, it really hurt the, the French fry producers' The chip side has been, I think, a little bit more stable because it's a little bit more reliant on the retail market. Uh, Have you guys noticed any uh, shifts in demand since the the start of COVID?
1: Uh, Not on the seed side of things a a whole lot. I mean, by the time it started last March, we had had most of our our seed shipped and sold and everything. So that was all right for us. We didn't see any major problems until probably December, January, February of the end of 2020 into going into 2021. Um, And then the red market kind of backed up for us. Um, So that was a bit of a pain in the butt. And then we had some russets too that were a little bit extra. We got hit with some Burbanks as well that uh, ended up not going for
0: seed due to all the backup on the fry end. Okay.
1: Chipstock has been stable for us so far, but uh, we're not quite out of the woods on this whole uh, deal.
0: Now, what uh, field years are you guys growing?
1: Um, we're planting year two and three and selling year two and or three through four. Gotcha. Wisconsin numbers. <laughs> um,
0: now, sustainable practices is a huge topic and something that every farmer has to kind of have on their radar, you know, depending on how they farm, what they're using, how they document all of it, and, and how they communicate it. Um, you guys have been known to embrace new technologies and techniques. Uh, how has your operation changed over the past five to ten years, and uh, which basically is the time since you've been back to college? Or back? From
1: yeah, college? so, I don't know, we've I don't know how long, uh, like GPS and others all been around, but that was kind of the start of my, when I got back to the farm is when we first started using GPS. And then since then we've, we have a couple pivots that use variable rate technology, but we don't have a huge need for it around here. Most of the soils, fairly similar across the fields. Um, some of the nutrients in the, in the spring and the fall get spread variable rates. Uh, we've got optical sorters at both at both farms for tea potatoes and for table stock. I guess that's still fairly new technology mm. um, other than that it's all i don't know fairly standard I would say there's nothing uh, that we jumped on on board with fully and uh fully embraced as far as the new newest technologies for sustainability. I mean, we have a drone, but we don't more for taking pictures than anything at this point.
0: Um, is that something you'd be interested in if that technology progresses as far as, you know, scouting and, and things with the drone or, you know, is, is there any uh like some of that cutting edge technology that's kind of on your radar of something that you'd like to try?
1: I mean, it's all very interesting, but until it's, affordable it's not exactly sustainable so um, when it becomes a, a better option and it's something that we can actually utilize other than just looking at a picture of a bunch of different colors if we if we can't actually tell what it means and, and use it to to have a better crop or be more sustainable then, then we won't do it.
0: Do you struggle with black spot or pressure bruise in your potato crop? The proven biocontrol one site helps increase deliverables to your shed or plant by reducing the severity and indices of bruise. Incorporate 1-4 site into your existing storage program for unprecedented success. Learn more at 1-4group.com. And now, back to the podcast. Um, do you guys grow any other cash crops other than seed potatoes? And what's your, what's your rotation like? Um, what are your rotational crops?
1: For the, for the most part, we're on a three-year rotation. We don't grow any other cash crops, really, other than potatoes. Um, we'll do potatoes and two years of alfalfa. Potatoes, corn, oats, and clover. Um, a few acres of soybeans, but for the most part, it's potatoes. Alfalfa, alfalfa, potatoes, corn, oats. Um, pretty much across the farm.
0: Yeah, the alfalfa seems to be a, a fairly common rotational crop in in this part of the country. Um, why do you why do you guys like it? You just like the uh, the uh, nutrients that you get out of it.
1: We, yeah, we we like what it does for uh, compaction and what it adds back to the soil. But then we've also got some, a couple big dairy farms around the area that we provide the silage for. And then we swap back and forth between the silage and taking their manure and do our best to follow the nutrient management plan and and stay on track that way. Gotcha. So,
0: so how long have you been back uh, to the farm since uh, you got out of college?
1: Um, so I graduated in December of 2009 and however long 2010 was ago. <laughs>
0: right.
1: I think it's like 12, 12 seasons. Yeah.
0: where did you go to college?
1: I went to college at UW-Eau Claire. It's uh, on the west side of the state, about an hour and a half, two hours east of the Twin
0: Cities. And what did you study?
1: I was a... Double major in business administration and Spanish for business, and then I had a certificate in business communication. But I no longer speak a whole lot of Spanish. So I haven't really had the opportunity to use it, I guess, in the last whatever twelve years. So it's some of it's been forgotten.
0: Now, what what was the the decision going into uh, to to go that route? I mean, did you have you know hopes of doing something internationally or with business or?
1: Um I mean maybe I hoped that at one point I never actually pursued international business, but I just that was the one thing that I actually liked doing. It was <laughs> studying Spanish and trying to speak Spanish and those were those were some of my favorite classes. I ended up going and living in Mexico for for two months one summer for study abroad program, but that was as far as that took me.
0: Well, Mexico, that's been uh, at the forefront of uh, U.S. potato industry's mind lately. Uh, what is the potato scene like down there? I mean, it's been a while, but I um, understand that maybe not as av- available as they are here.
1: Correct. I believe there was just a recent court case, right, where they, I think yeah. it's opened up now. Um,
0: yeah, it's, it's ongoing drama, uh, but we, yeah.
1: We, yeah, that would be a big deal for the the states out west that grow potatoes and the more potatoes that we can ship out of the country into Mexico then there's more room for potatoes in, in the country so it'd be, it's a great thing for everybody. Hopefully it continues to improve in that situation and uh, get some some good U.S. potatoes down to Mexico.
0: Absolutely. So, um, so back to college I mean when did you did you think that you wanted to come back to the farm or did you entertain thoughts of doing something else?
1: I never really had much of a plan as far as coming back to the farm. I always knew it was an option. Um, I decided that I wasn't into selling insurance, and I, I certainly wasn't going to be an accountant. So so I kind of stepped into this, and I've been doing that ever since.
0: And you are the fifth generation, you and your cousins and your brother, right, of of the farm? And-
1: Correct. That's what we call ourselves, G5. <laughs> E5, with, yeah. With, a, with another generation not that far behind us. so.
0: Yeah, how old's your boy?
1: Parker is going to be eight in September, and my daughter just turned five. Yeah. And uh, J.D. also has a, a five-year-old son, so he'll be around someday. And a, he's got a daughter as well, and Andy and Luke are still being potsy about it. Yeah,
0: well, uh, they'll get there eventually, I'm sure. But Yeah, someday. Um, Uh, One of the big things that happened, you know, uh, in your farm's history, you guys had a big fire in 2007. You literally lost millions of pounds of seed potatoes. Could you kind of tell us about that story? Uh, By the time frame, you might have been in college at that time, but I'm sure you're familiar with what happened.
1: Uh, Yeah, I was still at college, and I still remember getting the phone call, and my mom's like, yeah, the farm's on fire. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. (laughs) Really had no idea what to expect, and then I I came home that weekend, and it was <laughs> a complete disaster, disaster for lack of a better term, and everything was just smoldering, and potatoes laying everywhere, and the buildings were all torn apart. And I it was it's kind of unbelievable to to see it firsthand. Um, but then at that point, I was still whatever two years away or two or three years away from graduating, and same with. JD and my other cousins. So um, the the dads thought about it for a long time and you know, decided to rebuild the farm and, and they didn't have a whole lot of time, but you know, they took their time and, and made the right, well, we think they made the right decision. Hopefully they made the right decision. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, they started the rebuilding process right away, but it took two full years before everything was kind of back to normal. Mm. And um, so as far as the changes that they did, the, they just kind of made everything a little bit bigger. <laughs> uh, a lot of it, the guys were able to build themselves. We had to have a talented crew of people and they put us back together and a lot of our suppliers helped out and had a lot of help from neighbors as far as being able to get seed potatoes to plant because it was half of our crop that we had down at this building was basically destroyed. Um, there wasn't any huge changes, but the, the grading line was changed around and just modernized and, and made to handle more capacity.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's um, in, in Michigan here, uh, Don Kitchen up north, uh, Kitchen Farms, he's a uh, Commercial grower, he lost a, a bunch of his his equipment and buildings earlier this year. I don't know if uh, you know Don or if you had a chance to reach out to him, but uh, he's in that process now too.
1: Yeah, we know Don. He's a was a used to be a customer of ours, and um, haven't spoke to him directly. I'm sure he's got a lot on his table right mm-hmm. now. But again, they're they're fortunate that nobody got hurt, as were we. And um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, losing losing a bunch of potatoes is not terrible compared to having all the other stuff that could possibly go wrong. So.
0: Yeah, that's, that's good perspective. So um, so you guys are, are located northwest of Green Bay. Uh, can I assume that you guys are Packers fans?
1: Yeah, we uh, we attend a few games every year. Last year was the exception, obviously. But, um, yeah, we, we miss a few in September and October, and then, try to get to as many as we can. Uh, we've got some fair weather fans in the family. So I'll, I take the December, January games whenever I can. Those are my favorite ones when it's freezing cold and the beer freezes before you can drink it. So got to drink them fast, I guess.
0: Well, that's just good practice for the rest of the year. Right. Exactly. So, so what's the mood with, uh, with Mr. Aaron Rogers? What's, what do you think is going to happen with that?
1: i'm i'm pretty confident he's coming back i think he uh he just got to a certain point in his career where he doesn't want to deal with some of the uh the training camp situation or the mini camps the voluntary stuff he's uh he'll be back that's my prediction
0: well if he is that puts him in the hunt so anyway yeah. eric thanks so much for joining us i appreciate your time and uh thanks to your daughter as well for uh Remaining as quiet as she did. I know she's next to you right there. So, um, yeah, she's,
1: she's coloring away right now. Just being a little
0: angel. Yeah, <laughs> they are. I, I have a daughter that's, that's nine. She's a little older than your daughter, but yeah, that's to get her to, to behave that well for this long is, is that would yeah. definitely classify her as an angel. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how the rest of the day goes. Right. Well, thanks a lot, Eric. I appreciate your time and uh, take care and good luck the rest of the growing season. Yep. Anytime, Zeke. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks again to one uh, Group, our sponsor. Be sure to go check them out at 1-4group.com. We'll see you next time.